0: So Abraham, this is in the Bible, sees three men and he says, come in because it's hot. And they said to him, "Okay." now this is an interesting story. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. Because this story talks about what they're going to do and what's going to happen. One of those men is God. And Abraham negotiates negotiates with him. But we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Right now, Corey is here. Corey?
1: I'm going to be taking a look at uh, some of the history behind Sodom and Gomorrah. Ryan? Ryan?
2: Today, my segment is all about Lot and his descendants, the Moabites and the Ammonites. It was not a pretty picture.
0: Yeah, it was not. And Janice, what are you doing? Well,
3: today's Friday. So this is our very first Friday wrap up question of 2023. I'm gonna ask a question anywhere from the first chapter of Genesis to the 20th chapter.
0: All right, so get ready because it's coming right now. Let's open up the Bible and hear what God says.
3: Genesis eighteen one through fifteen Then the Lord appeared to him by the Terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, If I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15.
0: Genesis 18, 19, and 20, as we continue our read through the Bible, you know, laughter. Laughter is a wonderful expression of delight and in some cases, surprise or disbelief. This is exactly the reaction that Sarah had as she listened in on a conversation that her husband, Abraham, was having with his three visitors. You see, after asking Sarah's whereabouts, the Lord told Abraham that when he returned in about a year's time, she would have a son. You're kidding me. I'm confident that there was nothing that could have been surprising both to Abraham and Sarah more. They were both well beyond the age of conceiving a child. And Sarah hadn't been able to conceive a child while she was of the age. Other than God's message to them, God's word to them, there was absolutely no reason that they would have now believed that they would be biological or have biological children together. So when Sarah heard the statement about the future son, well, she laughed to herself. What's interesting is the Lord heard Sarah's skeptical laugh, but he knew her heart. The Lord used his question to Abraham to remind both of them of this point. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Do you know Abraham was 100 years old when God blessed them with a son? Appropriately, they named him Isaac, meaning to laugh. That was all part of God's plan of salvation. Isaac would become the father of Jacob, who would become the father of 12 sons, whose families would form the 12 tribes of ancient Israel. I mean, it is a stunning revelation of the family and the nation of Israel fascinating. Take your Bible guide, turn to it today. If you don't have one, call us or write to us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and you can get a hold of your Bible guide there. Um, Thank you so much for your donations. We really appreciate them. They keep us alive and keep us going. Today, laughter. (laughs) 15 verses, 16 verses in chapter 18 of Genesis. Father, help us today. Help us, Lord, as we listen to what you say to the great man Abram, who becomes Abraham, father of many. I pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and Holy Spirit be strong inside of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, look at the scripture because here's what it says. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees or terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. It was hot there. So he lifted his eyes and he looked and behold, three men were standing by him. Now, when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by on your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, Do as you have said. <laughs> I want to tell you, this is an amazing story to start with. The three visiting men were unique, and Abraham sensed that uniqueness. You see, God is great in all times. His servants will sense him in today's world. Now, I want to tell you something. In the book of Hebrews, it says some have entertained angels and not even been aware. Do you understand that God is here? He's not watching from a distance. He's here and he's amongst us. That Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit is in us. And people who give their lives to Jesus Christ submit themselves to the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something. God works through them. Now, if that's the case, that gets really interesting. Because God is working through you and through me. So we have to sense God is different. So Abram hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal knead it and make cakes. And Abram ran to the herd and took a tender and good calf and he gave it to the young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and, and the calf which, had been, which he had prepared and set it before them and, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, this is absolutely amazing. The Lord knew Sarah was listening when he told Abraham that Sarah would have a son. See, God's word often stretches our faith with things that sound impossible to us. It's not just that she heard, but what she heard. The Bible speaks to us on a regular basis. I read it to you. But it is the Holy Spirit who reveals what he wants to talk to you about. I can't reveal that, but the Holy Spirit will speak to you, beloved. Keep that in mind. And let me tell you what he speaks. He speaks things that'll stretch your mind. Is stretch your faith in a big way. So keep that in, in your heart because it's going to happen. Now Abraham, back to the scripture in 18 verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed on the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure in my Lord? I mean, and the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I? Surely bear a child since I am old. Why why did she laugh? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen to that question. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. For she was afraid. But he said, no, but you did laugh. Now that brings me to this point. God knows what's in our hearts, how we think and how we respond. Let me just say that again. God knows what's in your heart, how you respond, how you think. The Lord will confront us in our heart about our thinking. (laughs) He is a good and loving father. Let me tell you something that if you are a good and loving father, you don't let things go in your children. You correct them. And God is in the process of growing us and correcting us. And his word corrects our minds. His word changes our spirit. His word grows inside of us. And we need to remember that because the Lord is making us stronger. Keep that in your heart. Keep that in your mind. This is how Abraham was constructed or instructed by the Lord to go forward. And that promise continues even today. Now, that's something we should all think about. Father, help us in Jesus name, amen and amen.
1: So today, you and I are going to be looking at uh, the potential sites for Sodom and Gomorrah, potential archaeological sites. Um, There is a southern location that's become really popular today to to look at uh, because of some of the discoveries that were made there and some of the the linguistical evidence that has been found. So let's just jump right into it and take a look at this southern location uh, hypothesis for the location of Sodom and Gomorrah. The ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were a part of a greater network of five cities called the cities of the plain. Uniquely, they were said to have been destroyed by God himself as judgment against their severe moral transgressions that had caused cries of outrage. Whatever is believed about the theological value of the Bible's account, archaeologists have solid candidates for these five cities, with excavations focused on the two believed to have been Sodom and Gomorrah. The site believed to be Sodom is the larger of the two, with walls that once enclosed nine to ten acres, though evidence shows the area outside the walls were also inhabited. The city, identified as Gomorrah, is seven miles south of Sodom and had walls encompassing only two acres. A much smaller site, the citizens are believed based on pottery evidence to have used the enormous cemetery discovered at Sodom. The cemetery dates to before the foundation of the cities and is home to about 20,000 tombs and over half a million bodies. Other than their locations matching the Bible's description and a possible reference to Sodom in the Ebla tablets, scholars point to the double destruction at both cities as correlating well with the biblical account. In Genesis 14, we read of a war fought and lost by the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, leaving Lot captured and Abraham left to rescue him. Between 14 to 20 years later, the cities were destroyed again by some sort of sulfurous, fiery substance that fell on the city. Excavations have revealed two destructions. The first saw the original western-facing gate and wall of supposed Sodom destroyed and burned. This area was then completely built over with a new wall, and a different gate was built on the northeastern side of the city. In supposed Gomorrah, a destroyed tower was found alongside charred remains. Even an intact male skeleton was found in the debris. The destroyed parts of the city were then filled in and built right on top of. A second destruction came shortly after, and from this, the city's never recovered. Ash, charcoal, and piles of burnt rocks and bricks speak to the calamity at Sodom, Gomorrah, and their graveyard. Something that I ran out of time to put in that segment as well is how uh, the the site that is believed to be Sodom, that city, it actually built its wall in segments, in 50 to 75-foot segments, uh, and, and had them close together, but they were definitely individually built, and it's believed that that was to protect against the earthquake activity, the volcanic activity in that region, because there were so many earthquakes, it would actually have protected the walls from breaking every time there was an earthquake, so just... Some more interesting uh, facts about that area.
0: One of the interesting things too is when you read back when Abraham is uh, before the cities are destroyed, uh, it says in the military aspects of the First World War and all that that there were pits uh, in the area, and some of the kings mm-hmm. uh, got lost in the pits and so on. And Asphalt that,
3: pits, right? Yeah. Or mortar. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Asphalt pits. And what that does is shows us that there's a, a lot. There was a lot of activity there, and that that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. not not that God, that we desire that to happen to prove God did it. We know God did it. But it's just amazing that all of this stuff is there and happens that way. I I need to tell you that I visited the southern site Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in Israel back in 91. And it is fascinating, let me tell you. Uh, Very interesting. And we don't have time to get into it today. But boy, it was really something.
2: Okay. Ryan, All right, well, my focus today is on Genesis chapter 19 verses 30 to 38, which records what happened in the aftermath of the destruction of Sodom. And admittedly, it's a pretty sordid account because Lot's daughters end up getting pregnant by way of their father, though he doesn't realize it at the time because he was very, very drunk. Now, the big question is why? Why would Lot's daughters commit such a repugnant act? Well, let's study. As if Lot had not already sufficiently tested the grace and mercy of God by tarrying so long in Sodom prior to its destruction, he dares now to barter over real estate also. Though God in his wisdom instructs him to flee to the mountains, Lot pleads that he be allowed to escape instead to the small city of Zor. Although God graciously grants his request and even spares that city from the impending destruction, Lot later leaves that place in favor of those mountains because he was afraid to dwell in Zor. Why Lot grew fearful of living there isn't entirely clear. Maybe he realized that the city was just as morally depraved as Sodom was and thought that it too would eventually be destroyed. It's also possible that the citizens of Zor didn't want Lot living there, because as the sole surviving family, they may have been seen as suspicious. Whatever the reason, Lot decides to take his daughters up into the refuge of the mountains to become cave dwellers. Their former life of riches and luxury was over. Worse still, Lot's decision now to move to such a remote location also had unexpected consequences. Indeed, as the eldest sister explains, Our father is old and there is no man on the earth to come into us. Considering that they had just come from Zor, which was still inhabited, her words are rather surprising. Were the men of Zor unavailable? If indeed the people there saw Lot's family as a bad omen, then their men may not have been willing to marry them. While we can only speculate, Lot's daughters conclude that their isolated existence will make finding husbands next to impossible. And so, they resort to a truly abominable act. Come, says the firstborn, let's make our father drink wine and we'll lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. For two consecutive nights they get their father so drunk that he doesn't even realize what's transpired. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. To the elder sister was born Moab, a name literally meaning from father. His descendants were known as the Moabites. And to the younger was born Ben-Ami, meaning son of my kin, who became the father of the Ammonites. It is highly ironic that Lot had earlier offered up his two daughters to the Sodomite mob, but in the end, he himself is hoodwinked into an illicit union with them. Truly, the women's judgment concerning how to resolve a difficult situation is as unacceptable as their father's is. And while the Bible never openly condemns the incident, the fact that the women knew their father would never willingly consent to such an act shows that it was unnatural. And even though Lot's poor life choices led him to this tragic point, God still preserved his life, primarily because God remembered Abraham, but also because in God's eyes, Lot was righteous, and God does not destroy the righteous with the wicked. The circumstances surrounding the legacy of Lot are truly tragic. And as I mentioned in the segment, while the Bible doesn't openly condemn this act by Lot's daughters, It doesn't have to, because the very fact that Lot wouldn't have willingly consented to it shows that it was wrong. Nevertheless, Lot's daughters went the way of the Sodomites. And even though this episode does predate the Mosaic law, which strictly forbids incest, it appears there was some sort of a proto-law. And notice that even by Cain and Abel's time, God had standards for sacrifices. You can read about that in Genesis chapter 4. And Noah was also instructed to distinguish between clean and unclean animals in Genesis chapter 7. And if that isn't enough, the well-known laws of Hammurabi were contemporary with this time and forbade these kinds of unions as well. But as the old adage goes, Lot could take his daughters out of Sodom, but he couldn't take Sodom out of his daughters. And what resulted was the people groups of the Moabites and the Ammonites, who became very bitter enemies of Israel. It wasn't a good situation.
0: It wasn't. And I think this uh, predating of the law of God is important for the people to understand for uh, our uh, everybody watching because we need to realize a couple of things. that. And I, and I like how you said it when we were not taping, Corey. Uh, you said the Bible is not written to us, but it's written to... Was it you who said that? For us. No, that was Corey. It was written for us. And what do you mean by that? And explain what you said.
1: Well, it's actually... Um I believe it's from John Walton, that quote. I'm trying to remember which works that it was that I was reading of his. He's an Old Testament scholar. But um, it, but he was talking about how you know the Bible's re- literally not written to us. It was written to a different time and a different culture. But uh, because of God's providence, it was written for us. We learn things from this. But sometimes we have to dig a little bit deeper to understand it, especially in the Old Testament, just because we're so separated from the people that it was originally written to. They had a different culture. They had a different understanding than we do. Uh, So whereas they would be able to read the story and instantly understand all of the different ins and outs of it, it takes a little bit more work for us.
0: And yet God still speaks to us through the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's important to recognize. And a lot of people, they take the Bible and they open it up and they say, see, it says that, and I don't believe that. Well, it's not that God believes that either, but God is dealing with the culture. And as he deals with the cultures, and there's I mean a lot of evil culture in the Bible God is explaining and applying his morality to it and the ultimate explanation is uh, the divine revelation of Jesus Christ coming in two thousand years ago and literally entering humanity and through Mary and I mean I, what what a what a devastating thing for human beings because here's a woman who uh, is pregnant by the Holy Spirit and goes through everything the mother goes through. And this is God entering humanity. That's stunning. And and we're going to get to that, you know, in September, but we're going to get to that. (laughs) I'm in January still. But no, it's just fascinating to me to, to understand that. And uh, I would encourage the people to stay with us.
3: Well, and that's the thing. I think what we need to remember is that we go through the whole Bible. We don't just pick certain sections. We go from the beginning to the end because it's a a full book, it's a total book. And you need really to understand and go through the Old Testament to understand and really see what's going on in the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And Ryan and Corey help us to do that. And Corey, with your digging into the cultural aspects of things really helps. Now with just a little bit over a minute left to go in the program, Every Friday, if you're a new viewer, every Friday, I get to ask a question of these two sitting over here and you at home at, as the viewer. It's a Friday wrap up question. And I have lots of people who I'm let out me of know it. weekly. I forgot about this. I'm out of it? It? I, I, I haven't because, well, because I've been, I've been answering. gone for a while. Yeah, I've been so. answering every week. <laughs> your, <laughs> brother, your brother has been stepping up and keeping up with these questions. So today I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Genesis chapter one through to Genesis chapter. 20, which is what we will have read up to at the end of today. So here it is, Ryan and Corey, and for you listening at home. In the story of the Tower of Babel, the passage begins with this. Now, the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of, and I'm looking for that land, and they dwelt there. What plain was it? The Plain of Shinar, the Plain of Shiloh, or the Plain of Shechem? What You've got three S's there, three S words it? there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yes. a, it's a tricky so, question,
2: but I think we're pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to go with A.
3: You're going to go no. with it, yeah. The Land of Shinar. The Land of Shinar, the Plain of Shinar, or the Land of Shinar. If you guessed <laughs> that at home with Ryan and Corey, you are absolutely Right, it was the plain of Shinar. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. That is Genesis chapter 11, verse two. Always check out the answers to make sure that I've asked the right question with the right answer.
0: I want to encourage you to go to Pastor Rod Hembry and go to that in YouTube. This is a great place. We give our videos on the Psalms and our videos on asking the questions and also our videos on all of the programs called Beyond the Call and all the rest of them are there. That's at YouTube, Pastor Rod Hembry. Today we need to pray. Lord, help me to do your will. Help me to do your work. I give my life to you, Father. In Jesus' name.